WTF Highway to Hope podcast here on Pod Wheels powered by Radio Nemo. I am your host, Shannon Courier, the Director of Philanthropy with the St. Christopher Tucker's Relief Fund. And as always, I'm joined by my producer, Greg Thompson, and we are once again, part three, talking about financial health. This is about building the house of financial health. Again, part three, don't tune out. This is good information. This is going to live forever. So if you're driving, you can take notes later. We are not gonna take this information down. You're going to wanna listen. So we're gonna talk about the financial house. And doesn't that sound like a term that you're like, what in the world is the financial house? but it's like any other house. How do you build a house? You build it from the foundation up. And do you build your house with straw? Do you build it with brick? Do you build it on sand or do you build it on a strong foundation? Lots to learn here, Greg. Absolutely. And I think there's a lot of us out there living day to day, as we talked about in the first couple parts of this. So Shannon, as I hear you talk about the construction of the financial house, I go back to the children's story that we're all familiar with, the three little pigs. What are you building your house out of? And as you and I and our listeners look at what our financial houses are built out of, a lot of times they're built out of necessity, what we have to do in that moment. And I know that you know that and everyone at SCF knows that because of the folks that you work with in the situations that they find themselves in. And what we're trying to do through this series, and in particular in the introduction of the financial house, we're not pointing fingers at anybody because everybody's situation is unique. It's unique to them. One of the things that you and I are doing through this series is that we're actually looking at what our financial health is and how our houses are built and what we need to do. So we all are taking stock. And as we talk about that concept of the financial house, I know that Sarah did an excellent job and you did a wonderful job of asking her questions about this. How do we get to that place where we can build that strong foundation? So as we dive deeper into this series, here's part three where we really dive in to the construction of that financial house. We're going to be talking about financial house breakdown. For those of us not in the financial industry, some of this terminology might be new to some of us. So tell us what financial house breakdown means. What is that? Yeah. So the financial house, we break it down and it's similar to the house in which we live in. So you have a foundation, you have a body and you have a roof. So the first layer is your foundation, and we refer to this layer as the protection layer. Protection is also known as insurance. So what this is going to do is this is going to basically like lay the foundation for your finances. And just like in a regular house, if your foundation isn't strong and you have some cracks, eventually you're going to have to start repairing the body and pieces of the roof can fall off. And it ends up costing more money if your foundation isn't strong from the beginning. I'm going to dive a little deeper into that and get a little more detailed and clear up some of the insurance things because I think people either understand insurance or they think it's a scam and there really isn't that much of an in-between. But the body of the house is your accumulation layer. So the accumulation layer is going to be taking place mostly in your prime working years where you're making money, you're saving money, and you're investing money. And then the roof is your preservation layer. So this is going to be how you're setting your money up to last you long enough to get through retirement. So you're not outliving your money. 
So all three of these things are very, very important. And the foundation is important. The body is important. The roof is important. And as we kind of dissect these a little more, everyone is going to kind of see what can happen to the house if maybe only one or two of these layers have a strong focus and you're kind of lacking in another area. But one of the things that I want to do before we get a little more in detail about the financial house is I do want to just go over the basics of the difference between being a W-2 employee and a 1099 contractor. And this is because in the transportation industry, we see a large combination of these two things. So there are companies that are set up with W-2 drivers. There are companies where they're independent contractors. They're leased onto a company. You have drivers who are their own business owner. And then you have companies that are a combination of the two. And I think some people don't even really realize that maybe they're driving as a W-2 driver and then they switch companies and now they're 1099. And there are a few differences between these two things that People do need to be aware of and understand because a financial house for someone who's a W-2 employee versus a 1099 contractor, they're going to look different. They're going to be similar. They're going to be made up of the same things, but the plan is going to be a little different for these two different types of workers. So as a W-2, you're going to be a company driver. As a 1099, you're going to be more a company owner. And of course, most drivers know going in which one they're accepting. Are they accepting a W-2 company position or they're accepting a 1099? But sometimes people want to jump between the two. Maybe they've always been a company driver and they want to move to a 1099. Or maybe they've been an owner-operator since day one. Lucky you for jumping into that. Maybe the market's volatile like it is now, and you need that security and moving back to W-2. So what does that change for you? This is great information for people that have maybe been one and not been the other to explain the difference and how your outlook needs to be a little different for each one. So yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah. So when you're W-2, you essentially work for your employer. You have an hourly pay, have a salary in the transportation industry. I think it's more common that there's like a set pay per mile that the drivers are getting. That's what we most commonly see. And when someone is working as a W-2 employee, you have that kind of structured set pay. So, you know, if you drive X amount of miles, you're going to be paying X amount of dollars. And then you have your taxes. They're withheld from your paycheck. So when it comes to tax season and your W-2, you either may owe a little bit of money or you get a little bit of money back, but this isn't really something that you have to put a huge focus on accounting for because the employer is really taking care of this and taking it out of your paycheck for you each week that you get paid. Now, W-2 employees, most of the time, majority of the time, they're going to be offered some type of benefit package pretty much actually all the time. It can vary what the benefits are, but it usually is a requirement that the employer provides something. So most commonly we'll see that there's group health insurance offered within the transportation industry. There usually will be some type of accidental insurance. These guys work in a more dangerous industry. They're a little more accident prone. So they usually will get some type of accident insurance, some short-term and long-term disability There usually will be some type of life insurance. And then most of the time, there's some type of retirement plan. So most commonly what we see now are 401ks, and that is something that the employee can opt into. They choose how much they want to contribute out of each paycheck. And then depending on how the employer has structured this, they may match a certain percentage of what the employee is contributing. So what a lot of, I think, W-2 employees don't realize fully is that what they get through that employer, when they leave the employer, it stays with them. 
them. So you don't get to take it with you. When you're kind of applying what your benefits package is to your financial house, it can change if you switch jobs and it can change if you go from W-2 to 1099 as well. For 1099 contractors, so they're contracted to the company. So as a contractor, you're basically like paid when the work is completed. So in the transportation industry, you're going to see that you're paid when the load is picked up and dropped off successfully. There's going to be more of a fluctuation in the pay for the drivers who are independent contractors because they can get delayed, they can get rerouted, maybe a load gets canceled, they're expecting to pick up four loads for the week, but they actually only get three loads for whatever the circumstances are. So they're going to see that their pay goes up and down a little bit more, quite a bit more actually than W-2 drivers. And the other thing with 1099 contractors is generally there is not going to be any benefits offered. So you're in charge of placing that on your own. And you also don't have taxes withheld when you get paid. So this is a huge thing that needs to be accounted for within the independent contractor sector of the transportation industry. We're going to talk a little bit more about how they can prepare for tax season, but they need to make sure that they are setting aside the money for taxes. They're making sure that they're being paid when it comes time (laughs) for tax season. I always tell people don't try and not pay your taxes. The IRS are eventually going to find out you can only get away with it for so long before they come knocking and they say, hey, we need our money. And usually at that point, there'll be penalties and stuff like that as well. So that 1099 contractor, you have to really think more like a business than you do as a W-2 employee. All of that stuff is kind of taken care of for you. So really as a 1099, you need to see yourself as your own entity, your own business setting aside your taxes. So all of that money that you make is not your paycheck. You've got to set aside money for taxes. You've got to decide if you want insurance of any kind, any specialty coverages with that insurance, and you have to set aside money to do that. So you almost have to decide, okay, out of the money I make, this is how much I'm going to pay myself as an employee. And then the rest of the money is set aside for the business. Yes, exactly. And for anyone who is an independent contractor, ideally, they want to be setting aside 20% of their gross pay. And it's always better to overshoot it than undershoot it. When you're filing your taxes as a 1099, you are able to write off business expenses. So for someone who's W-2, their taxes are a little bit easier. You get your W-2 form. There's a lot of online avenues that you can kind of just like input the information on the tax form and they'll let you know if you owe a little bit of money or if you're getting a return and it's very easy. But for independent contractors, I recommend that they find a tax person and they get with a tax person because ultimately they need to set aside about 20% of their gross income for their taxes, but they're also able to write off business expenses. And I think a lot of people don't understand, they don't know what can be written off, how to keep track of these things throughout the year. But you mentioned as an independent contractor, they're business owners, which is essentially that's what it is. And when they're over the road and they're driving, they can write off things like their gas, their truck repairs, their food, anything that's work-related that they need to pay for to be able to do their job is considered a business expense. So it's important that for people who are independent contractors, they're either using a debit or credit card that is set aside for their business expenses. So when it comes to tax season, it's much easier to take it to their tax person and say, hey, this is all my gas for the last year. This is my food over the road. These are my truck repairs. These are all the things that I I had to pay for in order to keep my business running. 
And when you're able to write these things off, you basically subtract your write-offs from your gross pay. And instead of being taxed on that full gross pay, now you're taxed on the remainder. So let's say that a driver makes $100,000 for the year, but they're able to write $25,000 off. They're now paying taxes on $75,000. So it makes a big difference. And it's really important that they understand that there are some things that they need to keep track of, but also it can get a little complicated when they do taxes on their own. I've never been audited for my taxes. I've come across some people who have been, and it's really stressful. If it's something that they're trying to do on their own, you could be at a higher risk for being audited if you kind of goof something up, or maybe you write something off that really wasn't a write-off. So it's something that they definitely want to be careful about and make sure that they have a tax professional to kind of guide them through that. You don't want to miss any, and you don't want to accidentally write off something that isn't a business expense. I mean, the likeliness of getting audited for something like that, there's a lot of fish in the tax but it can happen. And it's just an added stressor that people don't need. All these things affect the financial house, especially for drivers that maybe you've been W-2 and then you switch to being an independent contractor. I think the the tax process can be a little overwhelming because it's just so, so different. It really is a different mindset. You really got to be business-minded to make that jump. So just put on your business mindset if you're ready to make that jump over to a 1099. A lot of drivers, that is their goal. Everybody wants to be a small business owner. That's the American dream. So it's exciting to make that. But there's a lot that goes into being a business owner. So don't be afraid. Like we said in the last episode, first episode, don't be afraid to ask for help from professionals. There's pros and cons to being W-2 versus 1099. And I think that really comes down to more of a personal preference. So for anyone listening, like your W-2, don't be sitting there and being like, oh my God, I need to be 1099. I've messed up the last 10 years of my career or vice versa. The different ways in which it's structured work well for different people. So you got to figure out what works well for you and it's okay. The pros and cons are going to vary. But so some of the common pros and cons when it comes to being W-2, getting benefits through the employer tends to be something that's a pro. The consistent pay is a pro as well, but we do see that some people feel like the con is that they're capped, their income's capped. So they don't really have the ability to make much more than what that set pay is because you get paid a specific amount for the miles. And I know that the industry has gotten a little stricter over the more recent years with how many hours can actually be driven each week. For being an independent contractor, I think that there's pros in that you do become your own business owner. You got to put in a little bit of grind and hustle, but ultimately you develop the relationships with the right brokers and your loads get more consistent and your income isn't as capped as if you're a W-2 employee. But we do see that what some of the cons are from drivers in the industry is they're responsible for kind of doing everything on their own and making sure that their finances are in order. Now it's like if they have a truck repair, they're on the hook for that truck repair. They don't get to call the company and say, hey, I'm taking the truck in and the company pays the bill. Now something happens with the engine or something major, they're paying those expenses. So I think another really important thing for the independent contractors is they really do have to develop this financial discipline if they are going to become their own business owner, because now you have to make sure you're setting aside money for your taxes. You need to make sure that you're saving for truck repairs. If you're putting all your own insurance in place, it is probably going to be a little bit more expensive than if you're getting those protection needs at group rates through an employer. But there's a lot more things to think about. Like I said, pros and cons, everyone's going to think of the pros and cons a little differently based off what their wants, their needs, and their goals are out of the transportation industry. 
right? If you're looking to make that jump from W-2 to 1099, again, first episode planning, that was a big thing that we talked about. There's a lot of planning that needs to go into the movement from W-2 to 1099. You almost need to already have some of that nest egg money sitting there because you don't know, you could jump over there and a week later have a breakdown that needs to be repaired. And so you've got to be planning for that as you go in. So there's a lot to think about as you move from W-2 to 1099. And like you say, There's no right or wrong. There's no one that's better than the other. Everybody has different goals. Everybody wants different stresses and can handle different stresses. Some people feel like they're strongly business minded and others may not feel like they can handle that side of it. Nothing wrong with either one. Go with what the setup that you're most comfortable with that you can make the money that you need in and drive safely and comfortably and peacefully. Exactly. And I think you made a really good point just now for drivers that are looking to go from W-2 to 1099 is that that financial discipline needs to already be established. And when you're going into making that transition, there needs to be a little extra cushion there because I've seen it happen numerous times where drivers have made the switch and they have the opportunity to go from W-2 to 1099. They take it. They don't really have a cushion and they realize that they're in charge of all these expenses now. And Sometimes they'll have a pretty hefty expense come up pretty early on into that 1099 journey. They haven't really put aside much to be able to take care of that. If you go into it unprepared, it can kind of spit you back out quicker than you want. Instead of being able to be successful down that 1099 route, now you're stressed, you go back to W-2, the consistency is what the drivers are looking for when they experience something like that, that early on in the transition. And I think it's important to note that that can be completely prevented with the right plan in place. And if you know that as a W-2 driver, at some point you want to switch to 1099, you can work that into your financial plan. You can begin to set aside money. You want to make this transition in the next three years, in the next five years, comfortably, how much money should I set aside? And then you can start doing that. So when you do make the transition, it's actually a positive transition and you're able to handle the curveballs that come with being a business owner and you're able to get through it. And then you position yourself where you are becoming more successful as a 1099 than you were as a W2 and you're able to make more money and run your business and can be a very lucrative field for a lot of guys if it's done properly. But stressful, if it's not done properly, it's not planned for. That wraps up this segment in our financial health series featuring Sarah Cohen from New York Wife on the SCF Highway to Hope podcast. Greg Thompson back with your host, Shannon Courier, the Director of Philanthropy at the St. Christopher Truckers Relief Fund. Shannon, we heard some great information from Sarah, and I know that SCF has a lot of resources that can help our listeners as well. We do. And I really enjoyed this conversation. And I hope people listened to all of the information. If you didn't hear all of the episodes, please go back. You can listen to them individually. They do stand alone, but it is a six-part series. Listen and ponder what might be a next step for you if you need to take some of these steps. It's a lot of food for thought. It's a lot of education. It's a lot of things to consider in order to make your financial health stronger, to give you peace of mind for you and for your family further down the line. 
We have a ton of resources on the St. Christopher Fund website. We so appreciate Sarah from New York Life Sharing. We will have her information available as well if you would like to reach out to her. She is not making anything off of this. There's no sales pitch here. But if you don't know where to start, she would be a good place to start if you're wanting to put something new in place and really start to build that strong foundation or add to an already strong house that you already have. Shannon, you are so right about all of the information that Sarah has shared with us throughout this series. And before we go, I wanted to give you one last opportunity to share with us the contact points for the St. Christopher Truckers Relief Fund. Absolutely. So if you would like to learn more about the St. Christopher Fund, you can head over to our website at truckersfund.org. We would love for you all to connect with us also on our social media accounts. There's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. We'd love for you to join us there. You will see us sharing information about this podcast series on all of those platforms. So whichever one you're on the most, you will be able to find us there. We hope you will consider some of the information that you've heard. Reach out if we can be of any help. Until next time, we're always about stay safe out there. Soak up some good information, make some educated and good decisions for your future. Put a smile on your face. Have a great afternoon and say hello to a fellow driver out there on the road.